when life is like it's supposed to be, it's like a garden. But when things go wrong, it's like a desert. Have any of you known a season where nothing at all seems to be growing? It's barren and it's like a wasteland. I have. I've lived through seasons like that. Christians are people of hope for one reason. God is a God of promise. And God's promise is to transform every desert into a garden. To bring the world which is in disarray and which is failing and faltering back to the place where he intended it to be because he is a God of grace and a God who loves us more than we can even ask or imagine. This morning together we'll see this promise in a vision that was given to a man named Ezekiel. Some background on Ezekiel first. As a young man, he grew up in the city of Jerusalem when it was at its peak, like a great garden that God had planted. There he experienced peace and joy, ease and freedom. He went to the temple with his family to worship the presence of God, and it was magnificent, but beneath the surface, down at the roots, things were not well. The people of God were not growing the fruit that they were meant to grow. They worshiped God with their mouths, but their hearts were far away from him. And so they lived in a way that made them look just like everyone else in the world. And it was bad for the world around them. And eventually it became bad for them too. When he was serving as a young priest, Ezekiel was there on the day that the walls of the garden came down. He saw the armies uh, from the north invade. He saw with his own eyes as the leading families were put in chains and led off into captivity. He smelled the smell of their houses burning. He saw the temple destroyed, brought to the ground. The grief that that caused and the grief of the years that followed are hard for us to imagine. He saw the garden turned into a desert. I know that some of you know what it's like to see gardens turn into deserts. I know that some of you here this morning are living in a parched land. Not out there, but in here. If that's you, would you let that come into your heart for a moment? We're accustomed to pushing that away, but for now, in this space, let's let our attention go to the places where things were good and growing, but now it's just thorns and briars. It's dry and it's languishing. A marriage that ended. A friendship that you had counted on that broke. A career that is faltering and failing. A dream that was a good dream and that you worked hard for, but now it's disappearing. Maybe faith in God that has evaporated and gone away. Life has dried up. That's what happened in Israel at the time of Ezekiel. And almost all of God's people in those days lost hope. That's the worst, isn't it? When not only things are bad, but also hope disappears. Do you know what that's like? If it's, if, if it's your experience, it's okay to acknowledge that this morning together. I know what that's like. I've lived through times like that. Do I strike you as a person who's glum? No? <laughs> Please listen. I want you to take that as a sign 
that God is the God who promises to turn deserts into gardens. It's true. It's hard to hold on to that when you're in the desert, but it's true. Ezekiel lived with hope for 25 years in the desert. 25 years. That's a long time, don't you think? 25 years to the day of when the garden was overrun. A heavenly messenger appears to Ezekiel and transports him from Babylon, the place where he was in exile, and brings him back in a divine vision to the hill of Zion, the highest place where he can look out over the city of Jerusalem. And when he is placed there by this heavenly messenger, what he sees is absolutely stunning. Instead of a burned and broken city, everything has been put back together. The streets are repaved, the shops are open, and people are bustling in the city. Everything that was once there has been restored and the sun reflects off the temple which he sees in the distance. And the impossible vision that God gives him is a vision of promise that said God is the one who turns deserts back into gardens. How does God do this? In the 47th chapter of Ezekiel, and this is where we're gonna spend our time this morning, the messenger brings Ezekiel right to the entrance of the temple and gives him a vision which has very plainly, three things to teach us about how God's renewal comes about. And the reason I've asked you to let your own hopelessness, your own deserts come to mind this morning is so that you can receive God's word for the renewal that he promises for your personal desert and ours altogether. We need renewal, not just as individuals, but as a church and as a community and as a state and as a country and as a world, don't we? How will it come about? There is wisdom here in this divinely inspired vision for all of us. Are you ready for it? I knew it. I knew someone was going to say yeah. (laughs) Let's begin, first of all, learning about the source of renewal, where it comes from. Ezekiel 47 begins like this. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Okay, listen now. At the entrance of the temple, the messenger directs Ezekiel's vision downward, and there is a surprising sight there. Water is flowing from beneath the threshold of the temple. It's coming out from underneath the step at the entrance of the central sanctuary in the temple of God. Look what happens next, verse two. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east and the water was coming out on the south side. Uh, The two walk around the temple. They go around its perimeter. And Ezekiel can see that the water which started there goes out and flows around the entire building. And then out on the south side, which means into the Rift Valley, stretching off into the distant sand and stone that goes in the east. You know that you can't grow anything at all without water. 
It's very easy for us to forget this. We live in an age where we can find water anywhere and at any time. But here, when Ezekiel is given this vision, water signifies life. The absence of water signifies continued death. And the place from which the water flows in this vision has a very important lesson for him and for us. The, the, the water comes from beneath the threshold. Have you heard the term holy of holies? That is the central place within the temple where God had promised that his own presence would dwell for the well-being of the people. The very small central room in the temple where God had promised to be there with his people for them. When the high priest left that room, he would stand right on the threshold and there on that very spot, he would symbolically embody the presence of God among his people. The threshold from which the water issues represents the physical connection between the people and God himself. And it was from beneath this platform that water was flowing. Can you see the implication? It is this. It is simple but is profound. The source of renewal is God himself. I want you to take this to heart for a moment because I know from my own experience in my own deserts, that there in the desert I began to think, I have to do something to renew myself. Or I began to think, that person over there, they're the ones who are gonna do something that's gonna finally renew me. Or I began to think, if only I could achieve this goal, then I would finally be renewed. If only I could get this relationship to work differently than it is right now, then finally things would start growing for me again. But in the desert, the only thing that will renew us is water. And this vision says, the water that renews comes from one place and one place only, and it is the presence of God himself. Please take that to heart wherever you are languishing. The source of renewal that you need, the source of renewal that this church needs, that this community needs, that our world needs is God himself. We have all been conditioned to look for renewal from sources that have nothing to do with God, don't you think? In our private exiles, in our own ways removed from the land of promise that we loved and put off in Babylon, in the deserts that are on this side of the gardens which are on that side, we've learned to look to policies that will maybe fix things or perhaps political solutions that will set everything right or allegiances with the right group or some new product or experience or relationship or achievement, our children's success, our friends' success. All of these will promise to turn our deserts into gardens, but none of them deliver deep down inside. Do you know that not even church activities deliver? I love that someone said, that's right. <laughs> Not even the best sermon that the best preacher could ever preach. None of that in itself has the power to bring the renewal that we need. Only God has that power. And that's what the messenger is, first of all, teaching Ezekiel here. And I think it's what God wants to teach all of us in this room right now. The water which brings life is God's presence. And did you see that it doesn't stay inside of the temple? It doesn't. It doesn't wait for people to become religious enough to arrive at the right spot. That's not how it works with God, apparently. It's not confined to some holy place where the holiest person is somehow giving out God's presence to those who've earned it. No, it flows out. Do you see that? And you should take heart right now. All of us should take heart. We should let this take the pressure off of us. We don't have to renew ourselves. We should let it take pressure off of us if we want to see other people renewed. It's not within our power to renew them. 
but it should set our hope in the right direction, which is God, who is not contained, but is flowing out into the world, is the source of renewal that the world needs. That's lesson number one. Now, if we come back to the vision, there's a second element that emerges as the vision unfolds. After Ezekiel sees the water flowing from around the temple and turns his attention toward the east, toward the Rift Valley, and anyone who's visited this part of the world knows that that is one of the bleakest and most barren places on the face of planet Earth. If you were dropped off there right now, you might think you were on Mars. It's all sand and stone and nothing growing at all. Everything, everything is dead there. And the messenger begins to lead Ezekiel down in elevation, following the water. Watch what happens, verse three. Going on eastward with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. A 1,000 cubits is about 500 meters. So picture the length of five football fields. It's not a short distance when you're traveling in the kind of desert valley where this is taking place. And from the threshold to that point, the depth of the water has increased from a trickle to about three inches deep. Again, he measured 1,000, this is verse 4, and led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Another 500 meters down into the valley, and it's increased from 3 inches to a foot and a half deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. Do you see a pattern developing here? You're meant to see that pattern, the Vision has something to teach you through its repetition. Again, verse 5, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. We're a mile and a quarter from where the water seeped out from beneath the threshold, and it has become a river that is deep enough to swim in and too wide to cross. Back there, you would never have imagined that this little trickle could make any impact at all on the world around you. But down here, it's become a river that is so potent and powerful, it has the capacity to literally transform an entire geographical region. Can you imagine? Uh, look at what the messenger says to Ezekiel at this point. He said to me, mortal, have you seen this? That's the angel's way of saying, are you awake? Are you with me? Are you seeing what I'm showing you? Let me ask you, are you seeing something here, yes or no? Okay, what we're seeing here is the second element of God's renewal, and it is the dynamics of God's renewal. What we should expect if we're willing to say, okay, if God is the one who brings about transformation and renewal, what should I expect with regard to timing? And the answer here could be captured in three words. Slow, steady, increasing. Okay, take this to heart. It takes a very long time for that water to go from a trickle to a little bit more than a trickle. And at first, and as you're moving along, you may think nothing at all is happening. Nothing positive is changing here. But here we learn that no, it is true that it may seem like nothing's happening, but God's renewal is slow. It takes a really long time. If you would, think of a garden for a moment. When you plant a seed in a garden in early spring, you push that seed under the dirt, do you know for a long time it looks like absolutely nothing at all is happening? Does anyone know that from experience? I learned that this past spring. Put those seeds in the ground, went out the next day, 
nothing's happening, failure. <laughs> but you have to add the water. And then you go out the next day, and you know what? Nothing's happening. You go out the next day, and the next day after that, and then the fifth day, something's coming up. And do you know what? You're excited until you discover that the things which grow fastest in the garden are the worst things for the garden. It's a weed, and you have to pick it up and throw it away. And you're going to be tempted to think nothing is happening. But listen, take heart, sister and brother. God's renewal, like this stream, is slow. It's not just slow, though, it's also steady. You notice that as time goes along, there is a change which is consistent. And the repetition in the vision is meant to teach us that, that that it's slow and steady. And here is a word for you. If you're awaiting the transformation of some desert into a garden, it's not only going to take a long time, but it's going to require some consistency on your part. And here, listen to me, you must stay in the stream even when it seems like it's not getting deeper and it's just too shallow for anything good. And by that I mean you have to continue to be committed to connecting with the people of God around you, the ones who seem too positive for you to even tolerate and the ones who are so negative you want to push them away. Do you have people like that in your life? Yeah, God has made us like that. Listen, take heart and stay in the stream. Ezekiel, by God's grace, was able to hold on for these 25 years and God gives him this vision of a slow and steady development so that we ourselves can take heart from this in the deserts where we are. Maybe we're not seeing change very quickly. Maybe we want to detach and go back onto the banks. But here, stay in the stream. And what happens, here's the third thing, is that the stream eventually increases so much so that it's a river that you could swim in. And that's meant to tell us that what we should expect is that as we walk with God by faith, our experience of God's grace and power and nearness and kindness should be growing. It should be getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'll tell you this now, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you've been with him for some time and nothing's changing, you should be concerned. You should ask, why isn't it getting deeper? And then you should push for it. Faith should never be static. You know, there are other bodies of water which bring life in dry places, right? A lake, or a well, but that's not what the vision depicted. A river is a, is a dynamic entity which increases as time goes along. And that's also meant to teach us that your experience of God's presence and power should be the same. It should be dynamic. Your willingness to follow should be more undivided as time goes along. Your experience of God's presence more immediate than it used to be. Your sense of his power should be deepening. Your trust in his provisions should be more and more settled. The dynamics of God's transformation are slow and steady and ever-deepening. That's the second element that we get from this vision. There's a third, and we see it as Ezekiel's host unfolds one more element of the vision for him. Look, look with me at verse 6, at the second half. Then he led me back along the bank of the river. Ezekiel's host takes him out of the water and back up onto the bank of the river to show him one more fact of God's renewal. Look at verse 7. As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on the one side and on the other side. Now, when Ezekiel sees this, the sight of trees growing in that place will, to his mind, be an absolute impossibility. There is absolutely no way a tree can grow in the Rift Valley. There is, to this very day, zero 
green leafy things growing in this spot. Trees do not grow in this valley. Let me ask you for a moment to set this aside and ask, do you have any places in life right now where absolutely nothing is growing and nothing can grow despite you wishing that it was so? That's what this is right here. This is absolutely impossible that a tree should grow there, but it's not just a tree. On both sides of the river, there are innumerable trees growing, and here, God is teaching a third element to Ezekiel through this vision, and it is a matter of the effects of God's renewal. Here, look again. The messenger points downstream to show an even more abundant reality about the effects of God's renewal. Verse 8, he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, and when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Now that phrase there, sea of stagnant waters, any guesses what that refers to? The Dead Sea. Has anyone ever visited the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is the lowest place on planet Earth. It is so hot and dry in the Dead Sea that the, the level of that body of water never ever rises even though the Jordan River flows directly into it. It's just that hot and dry. It evaporates at the same rate as the river flows into it. The saline content is five times what the saltiest ocean on our planet is so that if anything manages to get in there that's alive, if a fish stays in the stream until it gets there, it will die immediately. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And here, the messenger says, the water flowing from the temple will turn that water from salt water into fresh water. Look at verse 9. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. Once these waters reach there, it will become fresh, and everything will live where the river goes. So let that last phrase sink into your heart for a moment. Everything will live where the river goes. In the desert where everything died. For a moment, think of your own deserts, your own heartbreaks, some of them because you did the wrong thing, others of them because others did the wrong thing. Your disappointments, no matter how hard you try, you can't get there. The things that are not as they should be in this world, the thorns and the briars that tear at you even now. Everything will live where those waters go. Everything. I know there's no way that Ezekiel will feel it in his heart, but here the divine messenger says it to him nonetheless, as I say it to you this morning. Everything will live. There's a phrase that is used in what the messenger says that is specifically designed to make Ezekiel think back to the Garden of Eden. For a moment, if you were here when I preached last and talked about God's vision of the garden that was in Isaiah 5, or the week before that when we talked about the garden where everything began, you remember that I told you there that the Bible depicts God like a gardener who who does everything within his power to set up the garden to grow, and then he lets it grow, and he's present to prune and to water and to take out the rocks, but he always frees those plants to grow with the power that he's put within them. And when it all goes wrong, 
When it turns into a desert, what then? We should ask that. Here, the messenger includes this phrase. Look at it. Every living creature that swarms. Does that seem like a weird way to say everything that's alive? It is. But it's the exact same phrase that was used in the first garden in the Bible. The garden that describes God the gardener, who is the king, and the gardener who invites you and me, Adam and Eve, to have the job of tending the garden with him. That's the phrase that's used to describe God's creative activity there. And here, the messenger uses it to bring Ezekiel's mind back to that place so he can learn here that the desert which followed Adam and Eve's fall will be renewed one day by God himself, just like this atmosphere in this dead valley is being renewed in the vision. He will transform the dead valley into paradise, a garden that grows. Will you let yourself imagine that for a moment, please? I'm asking you to. Please don't think it's too much to hope for. With God, you can't hope for too much. You can't. You may hope for one thing and it doesn't come. Now it's time to trust that what God has for you is beyond what you've even hoped. And I believe you can do that because God is trustworthy. And I'm asking you to do that now as your pastor, to let your heart hope, to do it, to be audacious in here in what you hope for. If a part of your rational mind says it's impossible, nonsense, God does impossible things. Where is your dead sea where nothing lives? The worst of it, let it come into your mind, even if it hurts, where you've lost all capacity even for positive feelings, where it's just so hopeless you wouldn't even dare to imagine that anything good could come, where the wounds are raw and painful. I will make no promises about timing. I won't. I stand before you as a man who has beautiful and audacious hopes that he's worked hard for that still go unfulfilled. I still have my own deserts, but I have hope and we should have hope together because God is the God of promise and the promise is that he will renew every desert in his time and he will make impossible things grow and he will not do this without us, but he will do it with us with the dignity of being gardeners ourselves, of taking a hand in the work that needs to be done to turn this desert back into the garden. Verse 12, look at how the vision ends. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. That last phrase, their leaves for healing, is a nod to the truth that every human being lives with wounds. All of us do. Every one of you in here is wounded and, and the remedy is beyond you and it's beyond the people that are around you, but it's not beyond God. And here is a sign that one day what will heal every wound will grow and it will be for us. And, and the idea that these trees would bear fruit every month, again, that is absolutely impossible. That's not how it works, but that's how it works in God's economy because he is just that good. And what grows on that tree is food, which is good.
Does anybody else love food like I love food? Yeah? Think of the best meal imaginable. Right? Maybe for you it is a, a honey crisp apple in October or a golden delicious or a peach that's just perfectly ripe. Maybe for you it's beyond that. It's growing on that tree. Beef Wellington. a gyro with extra tzatziki and onions. <laughs> Whatever it is, you can't dream for too much when it comes to God. God is the God of promise. God is the God who turns deserts into gardens. And listen now, God loves you personally exactly where you are and as you are more than you could ask or even imagine. And his love, his love invites you to experience this renewal the renewal that comes from him, the renewal that is dynamic, that's slow and steady, the renewal that brings life where there was only death, he invites you to do that by attaching yourself to him. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week. I alluded to this last time I spoke that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And that's an invitation from him to be connected agriculturally in, in that setting to, to the one and only root from whom all that you need will come so that you can bear the fruit that he wants you to bear. And we're gonna talk about that next week together. Let's pray now that our hearts will have received what God meant to give us through this vision that he gave to Ezekiel. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for this vision that you gave to Ezekiel and for the wisdom and gift that it is to us. I ask that each and every one of us would be strengthened in our hearts, that our inner beings would be renewed as we are growing in grace, that our roots would be going down into your love and we would take heart even in the deserts where we are currently languishing. We ask for your renewal to be slow and steady and ever deepening. We ask that you would bring life where there has only been death. And then we pray that the fruit that we bear because you are the one who is growing us will go out into the world and nourish those who are hungry. And we ask for this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen.